2: And welcome to the latest episode of Total Saints podcast. This is a slightly shorter post-Arsenal pre-Fulham reactionary podcast. First things first, if you are one of our TSPs, Total Saints patrons via patreon.com slash total saints then this episode is completely free as having also recorded episode 64 earlier this week we want to make sure you're getting value for money so you won't be charged for this one steve and adam are both here with me as well having just got in the door from attending arsenal earlier today and to save time on this episode we're going to get straight into it so no intro this is tsp episode 65 sponsored by happyhot uk and in partnership with saintsworld.co.uk
0: and saintsarchive.com
3: HappyHotTubs.com.uk
0: At Happy Hot Tubs, we specialise in hot tubs. It's all we've done for 35 years. So if you're thinking about a hot tub and want to speak to someone, then we're the place for honest, clear and friendly advice. Plus, right now we have 0% available on our hot tubs, meaning you can spread the cost in easy payments. You deserve happy. Come and get it at Happy Hot Tubs. Conditions apply. Visit HappyHotTubs.co.uk
3: HappyHottubs.co.uk
0: 0%
2: excludes free-throw range, Saints travelled up to the Emirates earlier today to take on Arsenal, with the result a disappointing but maybe not too unsurprising 2-0 loss. Adam, the main talking point probably for many of us was around the uh, the team selection, so getting straight into the nitty-gritty of it, what did you make of that and then of the overall performance?
3: Uh, well, I was surprised by the team selection. Um, I, th- I think most of us assumed it would be relatively similar, but as we discussed on the last pod that with Yoshida probably in for Stevens. Um so and and I thought well after the way that Ralph spoke on Thursday there was a fairly high chance that Obafemi might come in and play some role um certainly didn't telegraph the goalkeeping change I mean I, mm. oh, what is going on there I mean I've got I've got I've got no real idea uh, you know he's looked at McCarthy and Gunn, fair enough he's then decided that Gunn, uh, that McCarthy's going to stay as his number 1 for the rest of the season Fair enough. Got no problems with that. That's the decision he wants to make. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, with McCarthy having not really done anything wrong, he's put gun back in. And the kind of the justification was this somewhat bizarre. Well, you know, he did well at Chelsea and it's a similar type of game. So I need that that kind of ability to play in the way that gun plays rather than McCarthy. And I think, well, blimey, I just didn't I don't really get that because I think it's unsettling for the team and the defence. And they don't need any more unsettling because they seem to do quite a good job of unsettling themselves a lot of the time. So, uh, very strange. We, we kind but, of had that the last couple of seasons, Adam. We've spoken a lot about the the fact that the managers
2: don't seem to know their their strongest side out of this squad. So, probably that, that, that sentiment that you just said there
3: around the goalkeeping situation kind of sums that all up. Yeah, it does a bit. And now you've got this weird situation as well, where um, in terms of strikers, now obviously I didn't see Cardiff, but having listened to the pod, uh, it was abundantly clear that nobody thought Shane Long played very well. Um, But then Shane Long uh, is completely out of the squad, didn't even travel, um, nor did Gallagher, but Long has gone from starting the game, the last game, to not even travelling, uh, the reason given when I asked Ralph about, yeah, you know, about the changes after the game was, well, Oberfemi's fit and I wanted to include Oberfemi and I wanted him to play. Well, Oberfemi's played 20 minutes, is now injured again. And so given the lack of strikers, I'm working on the presumption that Shane Long's now going to have to play again. So you've gone from him starting to him not even getting in the squad to now him Possibly starting again, maybe. <laughs> oh, it's all very, very
2: strange, um, and it's kind of the emotions of the players as well. I mean, I, I guess that's the other thing as well. We, you know, Shane Longs always seem a, a fairly relaxed lad, but I guess you, you run the risk of, excuse me, my French them off now, and now you're recalling him for Wednesday essentially.
3: It's a it, the whole thing was very odd, and and um yeah, I didn't I didn't quite get it. And then at half time, obviously they they obviously had to do something, but then went. Two up front and, uh, and you know abandon the other formation but even the way that they actually set up the way that they played from the start was very odd obviously redmond was was essentially the striker uh, if you like but i mean armstrong's position was was very unclear to me and, and whether that's um because armstrong didn't execute properly what they've been working on or whether that's because armstrong himself wasn't really clear what position exactly he was going to be playing it's is very hard to judge but it it was all very strange given that they've had two weeks to work on it i mean i said this on the pod last time it does seem that the longer they have to work on things the the worse they seem to play when they when they get back as well as when they're just going game to game they seem to do a lot better which is a very um odd set of circumstances in terms of the performance itself it wasn't without it's brighter moments here and there but that said if arsenal would have been 5 up at half time you couldn't have argued because arsenal after the early chance that yeah redmond couldn't couldn't take and the goalkeeper did fairly well absolutely battered saints and it could have been they could have had a whole hatful more and then in the second half uh yes it was it was better with saints's change in formation but you it's very hard to judge how much of that is saints improvement and how much of that is arsenal Basically, just coasting their way to victory, um, and even then they could have still had some more towards the end, so uh yeah, bearing in mind that I thought this was a pretty important game and a good chance for saints um I must admit i know it's it's the evening of the game i've literally just come home, so sort of emotions are a bit rawer than they are when you've had a bit of time to reflect on it, but i've got to say all in all i'm pretty disappointed with this. what did you
2: make of it, Steve same sort of thing, quite surprised by the the lineup, and then again, having had two weeks to work on things, the sort of uh I guess, approach to the game that, you know, maybe we've overconfused some of these players. I don't know.
1: As Adam said, I, I don't think anybody was expecting either the system or the, the sheer number of changes. Mm. Um, obviously, last game out, we weren't good enough against Cardiff. That's, that's the long and short of it. And um, obviously, we thought we'd rescue the point and then tossed it away again immediately afterwards. Um, but... As we discussed last week, we kind of thought, well, Yoshida in for Stevens is probably going to be the the only major um, change. And I mean, let's let's be blunt about it. That change has got to happen on Wednesday. Absolutely. There is absolutely there is absolutely no way that Jack Stevens can play in that game on Wednesday. Um, he's now cost us at least three goals in the last three games, which have which have directly led to um, to drop points. Mm. And whether it's a confidence thing or whether it's just he's not good enough. We cannot put ourselves in in the position now where we 're carrying players yep. um just as just as earlier in the season it was Wesley who who was the issue for that sort of thing um, Stevens is now a complete liability
2: mm. we've obviously spoken about the Tenerife and uh, staplewood pre arsenal sort of tactics and work that have been done adam um fifteen days or so to work on things, but it didn't take long, frustratingly, for Saints to make same sort of defensive mistakes that they've made, arguably, for the last couple of years. So, as I say, I think that's the uh, the biggest challenge here, and you mentioned it in the last episode, we're just giving away soft goals.
3: Yeah, and um, I agree with Steve. I mean, I think that change is inevitable, uh, unless the only other, you know, that Stevens will come out. I guess the question is, does Yoshida come into a three, or do they go with what is ultimately going to be Ralph's preferred formation in time of the four-two-two-two, I I don't know the answer to that. It'll be very interesting to see what he does. Um, I just wonder a little bit with Arsenal, whether on behalf of Ralph, um, and then maybe it fed into the players, whether they just overthought things a little bit. Mm. They made things more complicated with the way that they, they tried to do things that they needed to. It's almost like we've got two weeks, we've got loads of time, we can really... Yeah, we can prep for every little weakness that Arsenal have got that we see. We can prep for every little strength we've got. We can work on every little situation. Um, and in the end, kind of outfought themselves because there was th- there was just no need for some of, I don't think, personally, for some of the changes and and, and the way that, that it went, I think kind of bore that out. And as you say, the, after the Redmond that to let them go and take the lead after six minutes and then you know, another horror moment. The couple of players really not covering themselves in a lot of glory, and it's two 0 and that's it. You, Arsenal, you are not really ever expecting to get back into the game, and that's it after seventeen minutes. And you think, well, you know, then you're suddenly looking ahead to Wednesday night already, and it's yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty disappointing, and and the individual errors uh, just they just keep on coming, and I, I just. I think Saints can still get out of this. I think that they can still pick up enough points um, mm. and you're not always going to play against teams that are going to punish you quite as ruthlessly as an Arsenal or you know, a team with that kind of quality in in the side. But it's very, very difficult to see, given the way the season's gone, that in the last 11 games, they're going to suddenly rid themselves of these individual errors. Mm. They are just going to have to find a way of trying to outscore teams I think if this is the way it's going to continue because it's going to be very hard to see 11 matches now where they're just going to consistently be you know, more or less flawless at the back given they haven't managed it so far. I think the other thing as well, Adam, is, um you know,
2: when you met Ralph during the week, I think there was chat around, you know, he was aiming for 40 points. And again, I'm trying to be positive here. I'm crying inside, but trying to smile outside for the positivity of our listeners. But the fact is, you know, that's 33 points to play for now. We're on 24 points. So, uh, you know, essentially you're saying you need half of those points. And when you think we've still got to play Liverpool, we've still got to play Tottenham, we've still got to play Manchester United next week, you know, that's nine of the 33 points. So it is becoming tougher and tougher every week, as you've uh,
3: you said would be the case yeah um yeah it has and yeah okay you can only beat the team in front of you but i think they're in a situation now where where in a way uh fulham is is obviously is obviously important they they because they really need to get three points but um the thing is that in isolation is not enough now they they they've Box themselves right into a corner, and when you look at the results over the weekend, you know Friday night you had this all. Oh, you know Cardiff have lost, you know Fulham have lost, but i I, mean, I wasn't really that concerned about that one because I think Fulham are gone anyway. But um, Cardiff have lost, and then but then Saturday, kind of everybody else won. And I think the thing that's concerning me is that in terms of performances. Certainly, and in some cases, results. The majority of teams down there are progressing. Saints to me seem to be regressing Mm. a little bit. We're going, we had this huge lift under Harsenhutel for a period of time, and now this looks like it was pre Harsenhutel again to me. Um, And so you start thinking, well, I said all along, you know, is this the right manager? But at the wrong time, i.e. is this the guy that you want in the summer? Um, that's not a slight on Hootel. that's a slight on the fact that Saints have accumulated this squad and have brought him in at a very difficult time. Um, it is looking increasingly difficult. I think maybe, uh, I was talking about it with a few of the guys before the game, and we were like, well, probably 38, I think, might do you. Mm-hmm. I know Ralph said it's 40. But you're looking at really yeah four wins, probably, in a couple of draws. So... You've got to win four out of eleven from where we stand today, if that's the case. Which is five won... wins out five wins out of twenty seven so far. Yeah. yeah, and that's the reality. And so you start now you start looking at well, where are we getting our four? Mm. And you go, Fulham at home, okay, we'll, we'll we'll okay, well I'm gonna be optimistic here and go Fulham at home, Huddersfield home, we'll chalk those up. Now, I don't think either of those are gonna be as simple as I've made out, but let's just be generous. Mm-hmm. And then you go, Right, we need two more and you look around and you're like oof. Um mm. Wow Uh, yeah okay I can pick out a couple a few that are you know possibly marginal games but it's getting tough there's not much margin for error here which is what the point I was making pre-arsenal was of the three big teams they've got to play I they're in a position where really they could do a winning one of those the most winnable one on paper was arsenal and that's just gone with barely a whimper really and that's yeah, that's frustrating. I think, as you say,
2: the fact that we could have been 5 0 down at half-time in a game that we thought we had an outside chance of winning is uh, a worrying sign in itself. But uh, come on, Steve, let's uh, let's be positive. Was there anyone in a Saint shirt today that came out of it with some uh, positivity?
1: I thought both fullbacks were good. I thought Valerie seems to now have a lot more confidence in his own game to be able to look forwards and and go on the attack. And I thought Target was good. Uh, defensively he's, he seem, seems to seems to have suddenly picked up this ability to to actually read the game all of a sudden where mm. I, previously I thought that was that was one sort of really big deficiency in his game, but all of a sudden he 's able to Rather than putting in block tackles, he's putting in—he's actually intercepting um, balls. Yeah, and he's—he's um, he's kind of got more of an idea of what the opponent's likely to do, and he's putting himself in the right position to do so. So that's—that was encouraging. Um, although, I mean, let's let's be honest—I think ninety-nine out of a hundred Saints fans would be picking Ryan Bertrand to play that role rather than rather than Matt Target. Yeah. Um, so Bertrand being on the bench today was mm, odd, to say the least. I mean other than that, to be honest, I thought in the first half when we when we were in possession, which wasn't that often, when we were in possession, I thought we looked pretty good. We knocked the ball around nicely, we caused we caused Arsenal plenty of problems early on. But while we had two or three presentable chances in those first twenty minutes, we didn't take them. And we then presented Arsenal with two relatively easy chances and they were clinical and ruthless and mm. that is ultimately the difference between the good and, and the not so good in this league.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and I mean even second half, I think it was Shaka who played it basically directly into Ward prowses path early in the second half and he hit it wide. Arsenal would have scored that chance. Yeah. Because that's the sort of presentation that we've been giving to teams and they've been punishing us. Yeah. Whereas we get the same opportunity and it doesn't quite fall I mean, whether you necessarily want war prowse on, on the end of that or not, I mean, I guess this season he's done OK in terms of scoring from open play. But it's one of those where uh, Lacazette just pings that in the bottom corner, doesn't he? Mm. And, it's, um, and then all of a sudden you're back in the game. I mean, I, th- I thought defensively Arsenal looked terrible today. And I mean, especially the first half where they were doing similar to to what we were doing and playing a really high line. It made the game really condensed, but it also made it really predictable in that both teams were just playing for like little dinks over the top. And that, I guess, follows um, what Adam said when he spoke spoke to Ralph after the game in that. In terms of justifying why Gunn came in for this game, yeah, because he's obviously very much more confident in in terms of sweeping up, and he he tends to tends to hold a much higher position, mm. um, almost sort of more as a sweeper keeper. Yeah. Um, although there, there weren't that many that many balls through that that he was dealing with, he he did come out and sweep out um, two or three times, which I think McCarthy doesn't really tend to read the game quite quite so well. I don't
2: think. Yeah, and uh, on Obifemi then, uh, as Adam mentioned there, Steve, um, looks like he will be out a little while again for, uh, I think, Ralph had said after the game it's a, another injury, but, um, you know, just reiterates, I think there's a lot of frustration around the fan base that we didn't bring anyone in in January. It's easy to say it now, but of course that's uh, another nail in that coffin and, uh, yeah, potentially an issue going forward over the next few games.
1: Yeah, I mean, we don't help ourselves, do we? But did Ralph say something about, like, his posture isn't quite right and and that's that's potentially one cause of of these injuries in that he doesn't either doesn't run or doesn't uh, position his body in a in a sort of particularly natural way
2: i think he did yeah um, i think he basically said that it was more to do with his posture than it was to do with the medical um sort of attention he'd had with his last injury yeah because yep. i mean he'd, he'd been in he's been in training for
1: what three weeks or so now so it's not as if um it's not as if we've rushed the guy uh, the guy back mm. and he's Um, twang the same hamstring as a direct result of being forced to come back too early. Yeah, it's it's obviously frustrating for him. And now we're looking at the only option for pace
2: being Shane Long again. It's like, oh, goody. Speaking of Ralph then, Adam, looking him in the eye in the press conference after the game, I know there was chat around about his body language during the game. I guess he was as disappointed as any of us. But do you still look him in the eye in a press conference and see a guy that you know, does believe he can get out of this, uh, bearing in mind everything he's been through over the
3: last few months? Um, I think so. It's hard after the game because obviously they're, they're so emotional, and I do, I uh, have sensed a couple of times Ralph has been incredibly deflated after mm. games. He's very honest, I've got, which I like. Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't hide his emotions either. I don't think he's not that kind of guy, and and yeah, that's part of why I think the fans have really taken to him especially early on um because he he has that kind of honest streak to him and he sort of does say uh things as he sees them as well um I, I have to say i was a bit surprised kind of he was very cagey very cautious before the game i thought on on the press conference pre-match sort of yeah he was he was in good spirits still but um yeah he was a lot a lot more cautious i think that was a general consensus when we were sort of debriefing it afterwards in the in the media room and that was interesting because uh i wonder if if there is that kind of sense i don't think he's really letting on if i'm honest so maybe there isn't but i I just wonder if there is a sense of this is a little bit harder than i thought i mean we had that that same thing with mark hughes didn't we i mean he i remember (laughs) um when he came in uh, after Pellegrino, I mean he was he couldn't have been any more bullish on mm. or off the record. I mean I think he was like, Well, you know, basically I they just need sorting out. They just need a decent manager in here, you know, get the defence sorted out, job done, these lot are way too good. You know, I can't kind of almost can't believe I've got this job, well, you know, because this is you know, this is like child's play almost, I think. Um and then he had that first game at West Ham and the look on his face afterwards and the things he said afterwards were oh, <laughs> Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, right. And I wonder if there's a little bit of that with Ralph as well, especially given when he came in. Obviously, he had such instant success, really. You know, those wins came really early and there was every everybody was optimistic and, and hopeful. And now kind of, like I said, it, whether it was like a honeymoon or a bounce or whatever you want to call it, the kind of real, cold reality of of what has been life at Saints for for some time now. Um, not just this this season, but before this season, um, is kind of setting in again. And and yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, he's um, obviously Saints he haven't delivered him any new players, but he he also hasn't seemed that fussed about getting any new players. He's wanted players out, and they've delivered him that. He's definitely not given absolutely the impression that that he doesn't believe, but there's not quite that same bubbly radiance and enthusiasm, though perhaps you wouldn't expect that given the way the results have gone. Yeah, fair enough. Look, we uh, just finally on the Arsenal
2: game, then we, we spoke about the, the disappointment of uh, Michael Obafemi's injury. Speaking of sort of further bad news, Adam, word reached me before the game via an unnamed source that uh, the ice cream machine at the Emirates may have disappeared and that uh, you were particularly disappointed by that. Is that
3: a rumour that you can confirm or deny? I am able to confirm that rumour. I was extraordinarily disappointed. Um, <laughs> the ice cream fridge, at Arsenal, no longer exists. Um, it seems, or is, is certainly not in place in the press room anymore. Um, they had also done away with the cold buffet, as well, which was no, which used to be very nice and is now no longer there. Uh, so, all in all, a very deflating day all round. Yeah. What did you have to eat instead then? A hot buffet. Well, I, assume. I had the hot mains. No, no, not even. a bu- not even a buffet, get this now. Right. I mean I, how tight on money are Arsenal now. It's uh it's not a buffet. You have to have a, a voucher. So you get one go. That's it. <laughs> so you have to hand in a voucher and somebody like takes your voucher off you like you're queuing for a school dinner and serves up your lunch and then, then that's you. That's it. Blimey. Um go and sit down. So, get that, down my so then, way. They're not your favourites anymore then. Oh, Sh- Chelsea they've gone, have stretched into the lead. They've gone down in my estimation, yeah. to be honest. There's uh to I mean I thought before the game that was the worst thing that could possibly happen but obviously uh, the day did go downhill and still still further but no, no actually no what we're talking the ice cream was the worst thing that happened today it was terrible
0: Castle Saints podcast with Ben Stanfield, Adam Leach and Steve Grant. Sponsored
3: by happyhottubs.co.uk
2: Fulham are next up for Saints in what really looks to be a uh, particularly important game for uh, the club now. Steve, a lot of pressure on this one.
1: Yeah, huge amount. And on both teams, really. Mm. Um, I mean, Claudio Ranieri is starting to come under sustained pressure from the fan base because basically it seems as if... He's kind of managed the impressive feat of blunting their relatively free-flowing attack from the st- from the start of the season, um, while simultaneously not making their defence any better. I think realistically, if if we were to win on uh, on Wednesday, there's a relatively strong chance that uh, Fulham might be uh, making another managerial change. Mm. I mean, I had a brief chat um, with Archie Rintut, Uh, When was that? Yes, yesterday morning. And I mean, he's obviously sort of despairing at the at the shambles that um, that has been their season so far. And um, he was basically saying he fully expects us to win comfortably. Although, um, obviously, obviously, obviously I I tempered that with, well, you've not really seen us play that much, so uh, yeah, let's uh, let's keep that one on ice for the time being. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it's I know Adam doesn't doesn't like. uh, dealing in must-win games but i mean this is this is about as as clear-cut as it as it gets i think
2: even
1: the, even the draw is not good enough is it really
2: uh, i mean he, he did say the other day didn't he that we needed to beat one of the uh the sort of three big boys and uh, obviously Phil he said as well so i'm assuming adam bearing in mind that that is the the stance that you're going with that this is must win no,
3: no, it's not. It's not must win. Why not? Um, Why is it not must win? So you're saying we. Yeah, so you're saying we can. Again. But you're saying we can afford to draw or lease? Yes, because uh, must win suggests that that if you don't win, then it's like if you you must win, and if you don't, then what happens? Well, we all wake up the next morning, and the world's still turning. So it's not. It's not must win. It's like you'd like to win. Um, that's my justification. Fair enough. And I'm sticking with it. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, it is obviously very, very important. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. It's a crucial match in the context of the season now. You're literally um, using every other adjective except must win. Yeah, but I'm saying it's crucial in that what I don't like about must win is that it, it's, it implies that it's like it, there's been a lot of must win games that you don't win. And then what happens? That Everything carries on as it was before, only you don't have three extra points in the table. What I would think is it's crucial in the context of the football season. If you're talking about the, the actual football season, if you say this is must win if Saints realistically would like to stay in the Premier League this year then that seems probably more likely than this is a must-win game, because that's that's just nonsense. Anyway, yeah, sorry. We, we
2: did, well, I was going to say, we did run a poll this morning. I was keen to put a poll out to make yeah, sure I that... Yeah, Yeah, well, that's good, that's good, because I can see that you and your extended family voted on it. So, I didn't uh, vote, I yeah. didn't vote, <laughs> well, because
3: I wanted to prove that other people would back me.
2: Yeah, well, we, we've got 93% of people saying that <laughs> it is a must-win game, Adam. <laughs>
3: we've
2: got 2% of people saying that they don't care, and there's 5% saying no, which I'm pretty sure is you, your dad, your mum, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, so... of Saints fans, myself included, because I did
3: vote on it, obviously, do think it's must win. Well, there you go. They don't understand the definition of must win that I've just provided. Now they've heard it, I'm sure that they'll retract their statements.
2: So you say that, Adam, but actually Marlon on uh, Twitter, so at Mars194 underscore two said, I'd say very, very important that we win and even more important that we don't lose. But to be honest, my definition of must win is when you mathematically must win
3: or else. Okay. So is that, that's similar to your view, isn't it? Oh, that's similar. I mean, it's not quite the same, but it's it's kind of along the same lines. Uh, for goodness sake, if they didn't win, look, let's be honest, uh, the chance of them staying up decreased massively, but there are still another 30 points to play for. So I think we're definitely getting into semantics. But on the game itself here... Yes. Um, <laughs> getting?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've spent all season doing that, yeah.
3: It's going to be interesting, isn't it? I mean, I, I think Saints will win, but... I, I don't know if I've been too complacent with this. I mean, I spoke to, in the press room today, uh, a couple of guys. Um, one of them, I'll give a shout out, Jack, who I know listens to the podcast because he's a Saints fan as well. But he's a, I very much respect his opinions. He works up in, in London and he was Jack at Crosser, yeah, Yes, that's right. And he was at um, West Ham Fulham on Friday. Um, and and there was one or two others that have covered Fulham in the last week or two. I was chatting to there, and pretty much to a man, they said they are absolutely woeful. Mm. I mean, just just abysmally bad. Uh, that gives one, me one nil defeat is. <laughs> <laughs> that gives me that that gives me some confidence. And uh, yeah, I mean, the thing for them though, the only thing you've got to bear in mind is they must know this game is completely last chance saloon for them because mm. if they were to lose this then there's there's no hope for them at all so you would imagine they would at least start motivated they do have a little bit of of an attacking presence not amazing but a little bit they're obviously a defensive shambles most of the time i think saints will win this game personally i think it's a big pressure game but i think that the quality of the opposition being so poor will help them get through this one the weird thing is, like I say, I don't know if I'm being com- too complacent here, but I'm more I, I think they'll win this one. But I'm more still very concerned as to what's to come in terms of where they're going to get their other wins. I've chalked this one down as a win mm. and I'm still struggling to find their wins to keep them up. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, that, perhaps I'm looking too far ahead. I don't know.
2: I guess the thing is you know like a lot of teams in the, the Premier League as we've seen the last few weeks you know you look at Burnley and they've picked up some results against the big boys you look at uh, Newcastle beating uh, Man City you never quite know do you and it only takes a, a bit of run and a bit of confidence and I know we are clutching at straws a little bit but apart from the top six teams being able to beat teams but I'm, I'm reluctant having gone through all of my stats for Arsenal which uh, did reiterate that they would keep a clean sheet against this you know I'm reluctant to even mention how many goals Fulham have let in this season or the fact that uh, you know they've only won four out of 27 they haven't won an away game all season that sort of thing so I won't mention that but I think the fact is Steve they do know that all the pressure is on Saints don't they so for me you know if I was Claudio Ranieri I'd be thinking lump balls into Mitrovic all day and uh, that's probably going to cause Saints uh, some headaches
1: yeah you did well not to mention any of those stats
2: just sort of breeze um, over that yep. yeah I mean the 61 goals they've let in by the
1: way. yeah the psych, the psychology of it is, is, is surely something that Ranieri's going to play on because I mean, anybody who's watched us knows that we're a nervous wreck in home games when we're de- when we're defending a lead, and we're unable to remain focused and switched on in the brief period after we've just scored. Mm. So, I mean, there's two sort of very clear periods of a game, which I mean, let's face it, against Fulham, we're likely to be in that situation at some point. Yeah, we caused issues for Arsenal today. We've caused issues for for quite a few teams when we've been going forwards against teams that leave the back door open a little bit, that sort of aren't, that don't have a sort of rigid defensive structure in the way that say Cardiff did or Palace to a slightly lesser extent, because uh, Palace still at least had some sort of attacking ambition on the, on the counter-attack. And Fulham, the, on- the only way they know how to play is to be vaguely attack-minded. I mean, mm-hmm. as I, as I said earlier, um, Ranieri seems to have kind of reduced the, uh, the impact of that attacking force um, during his spell in charge there, um, but they've they've still got they've still got some pretty good attacking players, many of whom would probably um, get into our team yep. in the corresponding position. I mean, if we had Mitrovic, we'd be in the top half. Yeah,
2: yeah, for me. Yeah,
1: um, but we don't because we don't we've not we not we are not willing to pay twenty six million pounds for a, um for a centre forward. Mm. But Yeah, and Fulham, defensively, you know they're going to give you a chance. And that is where we've got to be kind of on it. We've just got to be much more clinical. Um, Decision-making in the final third has got to be better. For me, the problem with us isn't the final ball. Um, It's the one ball before that. It's the, it's, so it's that little pass in, um, like take the Cardiff game as a prime example. It was that little pass between the fullback and the, and the centre half into the channel for someone running in behind who's then going to square it across. It's that pass that we need to get right. And it's that pass that we continually be getting wrong this season. Yeah. Um, nail that pass and a team like Fulham, we could, we could have four or five against them. Yeah. But if we don't get it right, then obviously we get frustrated and then all of a sudden we leave the door open at the other end where they do have good attacking players. Yeah, And you've got Mitrovic, you've got Sessin you've got um, Vieto, you've got Schürrle. Um, they're, all, they're all good attacking players. Mm. And we're still going to have to defend well, yeah. which obviously is something we're not very good at
2: right let's do some predictions then. Steve I am going to let you go first this week um, so you go for it um, I'm going to go for a frankly ludicrous 4-2 win <laughs> oh wow <laughs> brilliant alright Adam 3-0 Honestly, Nil. you guys never learn clean sheet clean sheet are you mad you guys never <laughs> never never learn so um, obviously I think in true style that they're going to totally balls it up Cardiff style and uh, it'll be 2-1 to Fulham. I reckon oh. uh, yeah I reckon it'll be the same old Saints and uh we'll uh, we'll frustrate and uh, we'll let in some stupid goals and uh, everyone will be on the backs and the crowd will be restless and all that sort of thing. It'll be a typical Saints performance, so that is what I'm going with. Just before we finish up then, Adam, I wanted to get your uh, two pence worth on uh, your hero lost his job today, Claude Powell. So I was just going to ask you for your uh, reaction on that. I imagine there was
3: tears. Uh, Well, I was sad for Claude. I was sad for him, but I mean, it obviously became inevitable, hadn't it really? You can't keep on losing at home and then getting beat 4-1 at Palace though so it was <laughs> if anything you could take comfort in that at least he went the Claude way in that Leicester absolutely battered Crystal Palace and still lost Uh, (laughs) 4-1. And then he got sacked, which is kind of somewhat typical of a lot of sort of the sort of luck and situations that seem to befall him. But Mm. Pete Puel, I think that was, yeah, Yeah, it really was. It was the way to go, wasn't it? It was classic Claude way to go. But yeah, I feel sorry for him just because he's a, a nice guy. But, um, and also I suspect we won't see him in the Premier League again now. I don't see him returning now. Um, so I feel, I feel sorry for him and sad that, um, that our paths may not cross anytime soon again. But, um, yeah, I think it was probably inevitable that it was coming. It's been on the cards for a long time. So, no, no great surprise, really, I suppose.
1: It's, it is a bit of an illustration, though, of how clubs – I mean, Leicester is a similar-sized similar club to us – how clubs of our size, you try and go with this sort of long-term project. Because, I mean, you look at Leicester's squad that he inherited – um, I mean, you've got a squad of players, many of whom have won the Premier League with Leicester. So they've literally got nothing else to prove, or anything else that they're likely to achieve in in the game, in their career, that is going to surpass what they did three years ago. Yeah. So, and a lot of them are getting old, and they're not anywhere near as good as they as they were in um, in that year or two. So it's a regeneration process, and um, it's going to take time. You can't just um, bin off these players and throw a load of new players in and expect it all to to miraculously work um, seamlessly. Well, with an attitude he... like that,
3: Steve, you'll never make it as a Premier League chairman. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And it's but it, miracles it's, uh, are exactly what they're after every yeah. every season. We need another miracle, and we need and what we need is you did the miracle last year. We need you to to do a miracle again this year, but Double just down, a little yeah. bit better than the previous miracle, <laughs> if possible, please.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, I mean, there's, there's only so many glass ceilings that you can smash your head through. And, I mean, Leicester realistically are never going to be better than seventh again. Mm. Um, in the same way that we're probably, well, I can almost say definitely never going to be better than seventh again. You're in a short-term industry and you're trying to implement a long-term project and you either give it time or you don't do a long-term project.
2: thanks to you for listening to this shorter episode of TSP. Sunday games always cause a little more chaos with podcast production. Thanks to Steve and particularly Adam who was literally in the door before recording. Don't forget you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Total Saints Pod. You can also listen to this and uh, any other previous episode via the likes of iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify and Acast. We'll be back after the Manchester United game next weekend. I think it's fair to say by that time we'll probably have a much better idea on whether Saints will likely to be uh, staying up in the Premier League this season or not speak to you then keep marching in